0: Welcome to Riverdale Um, I don't know, where do I even begin? Welcome to Riverdale Uh, This is a Carefree Black Nerd Review Show We were on a little break for Thanksgiving Welcome back everyone Hope you're still uh, stuffed from all that good food moving forward this goddamn show um this is episode 20 or chapter 20 tales from the dark side i've completely lost count of which episode it is in this second season but it doesn't matter um this episode was fucking amazing <laughs> and it was good um for me it was really good because the way in which the show was structured Was the way in which I write myself Uh, For those of you who do not know I am an author Um, I've been writing like forever in a day But I love And I think we got Yes we did get some of this on that last episode of Insecure So somebody over there At Riverdale Has been um, Getting a little blackness in their system Because they (laughs) copied No this was a really good episode So what we did was they took (sighs) and. Okay, I'm <laughs> y'all know how I get. So this episode, we know that all the titles for the different episodes this season has been like horror movies and stuff. And Archie has a history of having this dark history, you know, is the zombie apocalypse. Um, it's Archie and the Punisher, and it's Predator, Predator versus a- Alien, and Archie and all that. Well, this was a really fantastically done show. This episode now, um. You get uh, three different storylines. And for those of you who've seen Insecure and uh, listened to Oh So Insecure here on the Carefree Black Nerd. Uh, <laughs> um, what they did was they took three different storylines that stand alone on their own. But they kind of cross over subtly. And I I really enjoyed that. And because they get, I don't know, it, it for me it opens up a world more than just point A, B, C, act one, two, and three. Like things were really good kind of um vignettes, I think that's what you call it. When yeah, whatever. If it's wrong, please correct me, Carefree Blurred on Twitter. But they did a really good job at giving you that old school drive in horror movie intro, like thing stories are from when these kids were murdered and so, like it's where it was very like hammy radio old school like fifties, sixties era stuff. And that's what I like about this show is although that wasn't the best time in the world for black people This show is staying true to the Archie roots of the Archie Digest magazines and all that. So, kudos to everyone over there at CW and in the writer's room, like, doing their thing. Uh, so, three different storylines, and I'll discuss them as they were, which was the first one was Jughead and Archie, and coming off of that horrible, um, drag race that happened last episode, Archie, of course, called the police, and now the ghoulies are in jail and all this other shit, so... Home girl, what was her name? Penelope, Penapola, whatever. I don't know the, the the blonde chick who FP was like, man, you stay away from her. You get in bed with her, and she's yeah, okay. The lawyer chick. So she uh hits the jug here like, okay, motherfucker, y'all didn't got the ghoulies arrested. Your dad is in jail. His face is carved the fuck up because he got jumped by some ghoulies. because y'all motherfuckers reneged on this damn drag race. So what the fuck is you gonna do? So um he goes through all that, this nigga panics, rightfully so, because, you know, I felt like Jughead's issue or anger was really misplaced, because I'm like, Archie is the reason why these motherfuckers were locked up to begin with, so now that your dad's face is carved up and shit, it's Archie's fault, I don't give a damn what way you look at it, it's his fault, this nigga did it, it's his fault, so, um, she's like, yeah, you know, just, Running, you know, package for me, whatever. It's like, I'm not going to be your drug mule and Penelope or whatever the hell her name is. She's like, uh, nah, nigga, yeah, yeah, ah. It's just one time deliver this shit and then I can, you know, take that money that, I, that you would have made and put it on your dad's books and whatever. So I really like this character. She is like the one you love to hate. Uh, not like Nick St. Clair where he was just like a creep, but whatever. So we, all that happened. But this shit, she's giving me a very devious... Um, she, I don't know if she's giving me something, and I like it. I don't like her, but I like what she's doing. And I like how she's fucking up Jughead and, and throwing his world around and shit. So, the other thing I thoroughly enjoyed... One side note, what I don't enjoy is the extra... Well, I guess I do. I can't say that I don't like that we get these token black characters. But the, to flesh out this world with people of color is a pretty good... Kind of step in the right direction, but homeboy and I should have looked this up. And uh, anyone out there who listened to this and you know, tweet me, Carefree Blurred hashtag WTRPod. But the um the stranger who shows up in this episode to help Jughead and Archie because these motherfuckers are delivering a damn I don't know a gigantic ass Christmas gift full of drugs that can only fit on the back of a truck to Greendale, the city that. Uh, we know from the, the next town over where Grundy was murdered. Well, they're delivering some drugs there, and of course the tire blows out on Archie's dad's truck, and Archie's says, oh, we gotta call Triple C, which I'm like is that either an old-timey actual um, like service company or something, or is there just are they just saying Triple C as opposed to saying Triple A? I don't know. But this mysterious figure pulls up, and he's like hey, you guys need some help, and it's the black guy, and I believe it's the black guy from, um, Tales from the Hood, It was the mortician, I could be wrong, and of course being (laughs) irresponsible, I did not look it up, but, um, I think that's him, and that's going to be him in my mind until someone corrects me, (laughs) but no, so he, um, This, this particular storyline was really good. So he picks him up and he's like, uh, Jughead gets in the car with him with the the package and they drive off. Archie is stuck there on the side of the road waiting for the pickup truck. What fucks me up is that although these are adults playing children, makes it more palpable or more, um, easy to accept the things that they go through, the shitty things they go through. But it's very odd. Like this, Archie is, I don't know, I think he's, is he a sophomore? I want to say he's between 15 and 16. So, I can buy that a guy would be that developed and look that kind of muscular and adult-ish. But, I don't know, it's just something about the way Archie is presented, which of course is giving me grown man vibes. So, a lot of the shit that he's going through, it's not landing emotionally how it probably would if he looked young, if they had a... Uh, a guy, a young boy who looked softer, who looked younger, who looked like a 15-year-old. And that's a pro and a con of this show because you can get away with a lot of stuff like all the sex that him and Veronica are having and uh, with the sex he had with Grundy and all that other shit. But then it's a con because it's like a lot of the stuff isn't landing. Well, for me, I feel. So, homeboy, black guy is telling um, Jughead about the Reaper and then they're listening to this like Baptist gospel uh Baptist gospel Baptist preacher on the uh radio shouting about how the black hood is an angel and I was like what it's just all fucked up and I really like that this is so different from what we've gotten so far and this black man he stole the show he stole this storyline for me and he was only there for the beginning and I there I have a theory that this episode is some sort of dream sequence or some either they're leaning way into the crazy or they are giving us a little something and teasing us with it because everything in this episode was so fucking eerie and i don't know the show this episode was just damn good so the guy the thing that stood out for me is that he pulls up at a diner or at a one of those gas station diner combinations like on the side of the road and everybody's about how bad greendale is and even even the chick who sent Jughead. To deliver the drugs was like, yeah, you don't want to be caught in Greendale after midnight. And I'm thinking like, mm, this is just the town right over. Like, what do you mean? What goes on after midnight? Then you motherfuckers decide to deliver this shit at like 11.32. Like, what? So anyways, the man, he gets him there. He's like, um, he's like, you got any money? He's like, I was like all I have is $18 to my name, but can you give me the Greendale? So he gives him the $18, the man fills up the truck, and they're sitting up talking, and he's telling him about the Reaper, back in the day, there was a Reaper in Riverdale, and he killed these families, and he went by room by room with a shotgun, I was like, hmm, that sounds like a fairy tale, or an old wife's tale, or whatever, because ain't no goddamn way, even if it was three kids and a parent, that you're shooting a shotgun, and murdering somebody in a bed, and nobody in the house hears it at all, as far as I know, there's no silencers for shotguns. That's just not a thing. So the guy, um, is telling the about him. He's like, Oh, you know, some people say he caught the train of California and some people say he never left. And I'm like, okay, you're not about to make it seem as if this new fictional person who we've never heard about at all is the black hood. I'm not, I don't buy it. And like, and if you do that, that's poor writing on y'all part, like work harder. So, um, they're sitting in a diner. The waitress comes over, and the oh, the black man is the only one eating. And she slams down the t- 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 the bill, and she's like, "Come on, go ahead and pay." So this nigga, the black dude, stands up and is like, "Yeah, my friend here, he'll take care of it." He's like, "All I, I all I have is eighteen dollars. It's eighteen dollars I gave you." He said, "Yeah," and I put that in my truck. <laughs> so as he does that, Jughead gets up. They arguing. Jughead, the uh, black man, the waitress is yelling. Then Archie pops in. This nigga, the black dude was like, two city boys on the country road late at night, you're sinners, and I can, and you better be careful, or you're gonna taste the blade of the reaper. Like, this was such an intense scene, and one of the best scenes that has been on Riverdale so far, and um, yeah, so fast forward a little bit, because I'm really not this interested in this storyline, but um, homeboy Jughead goes... And him and Archie delivers this shit or whatever to this old lady in a wheelchair. And like her Benjamin uh, Farnsworth Bentley Butler character who's pushing her on some dock. Like, wait, I'm not familiar with New York geography. I'm not familiar with New York City geography or upstate New York and all that. But where in the fuck does Riverdale fall and Greendale fall? Anyone out there under the sound of my voice or if you have a friend or a family member or whatever, if you can enlighten me. Because as fictitious as this is, they have to be somewhere. And someone who is from New York or lives in that area or knows that area can probably be like, oh, that's Rochester. Or, oh, that's Jersey, whatever. Somebody let me know because I don't know where the fuck these people are. So she um, tells him that, oh, you're late, but next time you'll be on time. He's like, oh, no, there is no next time. It's a one time deal. Then we find out Panetta, or whatever the blonde chick is, she done sold this motherfucker up the river. She has told the ghoulies, Queen Bee, whoever this old lady is, that Jughead will now be her supplier. Oh, and I did not see that coming. Like, I didn't trust her, but I didn't see that coming. So, these motherfuckers sad. him and Archie, they leave, end up at the Pop's diner. They eating and shit, and he's like, man, I gotta go. I gotta go see my dad. Motherfucking Jughead goes to motherfucking jail to go see his motherfucking dad and guess the motherfuck what? This nigga face is just as perfect as it was all last season. This nigga was not cut up. This nigga was not gutted like a fish. He wasn't fucking attacked in in the bathroom. He, oh my gosh, she played this motherfucker so smooth. Like, I did not see any of this coming. Again, I did not trust her, but I'm thinking... She just going to try to use him. So but she, what she says when he confronts her, uh, Jughead confronts uh, the blonde lawyer chick, she says, no, FP broke a promise that he made to me years ago. And you're going to pay for that. And I'm like, oh, shit. The sins of the father have come on to the son. Like, I'm... in you know, this is coming at a time where I've, as I said before in a pre- few previous episodes, these motherfuckers are the villains. Jughead, Archie, Benny, and Veronica they are the villains, so all of this, I'm here for it, I want to see how fucked up their lives can be, with all the shit that they've been doing, so that, that kind of was like, that, that storyline was really good, Uh, so, yeah, (laughs) moving forward, we get Josie, Josie gets her own fucking story. We finally get more than one scene, more than five minutes worth of this beautiful black woman on screen. And may I add, Josie Melanie was motherfucking popping, popping this entire fucking episode. Valerie with her high yellow ass, hers was popping. And Melanie, that bitch was popping. I'm like, what the fuck? Finally, like one thing that this show is getting right every time. Is these black girls standing the fuck out effortlessly? Like, and it's so odd, and I don't know who, like, the costume designer is, or if this show, like, made sure either the girls can dress themselves, do their own hair, or you get someone of color in here to handle all of that. Now, I'm speaking from a place of clearly I'm not a black woman, so for me, I can notice the difference from the girls versus the rest of this fucking cast. I don't know if all of this is something that is accepting to, you know, women, black women as a whole who might watch this show, but let me tell you, my gosh, goddamn Garley, whatever, these motherfuckers are bad as hell. Like, oh my god. So, I'm, it, the story don't even matter. It's just these, they were, okay, I digress, good-ass fucking episode for Josie, and I, at first I was mad because essentially what happens is, in a nutshell, Josie is singing. Josie has a secret admirer. Josie is kind of working behind the backs of the uh, Pussycats to get a record deal, or at least notoriety. And all of this is being brought on by Cheryl, her BFF, which, uh, side note, I love their relationship, and I thoroughly see it for them. A lot of times you get women um, on TV who are best friends or friends or whatever, and it doesn't kind of feel right. These two, I actually feel as if, either they're really good actresses or they're just doing a really good job at making things to their relationship work. Because initially in season one, when I first saw them like hanging out and shit, I did not see it for them. So maybe they've grown on me, but I feel like it's more genuine now. Or maybe because shit, we didn't get nothing but like four songs from the pussycats and a couple scenes here and there last season. So we're getting more and we're getting more of this friendship fleshed out. And I love it. What I hate, is the way that this storyline went. So Chuck, with his uh Nelly from Circle 2000 looking ass, pops up, and I'm like, okay, you know, he's back. He questioned on Josie. I'm like, okay, black love. And then my, uh, <laughs> my traitor ass, I saw his black ass and Josie black ass together. I got all excited. I completely forgot about Reggie because, as you know, I wanted Reggie and Josie to be together. <laughs> <laughs> but all that, whatever. So, um... He pops back up. You know, uh, Josie is like singing, uh, rehearsing at school. Now, okay, let me take a couple steps back. This storyline opens with Josie singing and playing the piano at Riverdale High, like late at night. The janitor's like, hey, you know, I'm locking up soon. Are you going to go? She's like, yeah. Just don't tell Mr. Weatherby or whatever. My question is, you are essentially elite or royal status in Riverdale. Your mom's the mayor. What the fuck are you doing? Why is Riverdale open 24 hours a day? She's here with the grace of the janitor, of course, some frumpy looking older white guy who's giving these creep vibes to begin with, and this show sucked me right in because we'll get back to that later. Jughead lived in the school for a minute. Veronica just popped up in the school at like 2 a.m. to get a gun that Archie hid, and it's like... What are you doing? Is the school just open for main characters whenever the fuck they want? Like, I want a scene where somebody is at the school at an inappropriate hour, and then there's just like a gang of other kids not even doing anything else, but they're just existing in the school as well. Like, what the fuck is going on here? So, um, we get the creepy janitor. And I'm like, oh, this nigga is obsessed with her. He has to be. So, she, um, you know, Cheryl's like, look, you know, you, when you came in, and got Nick up off me, you know, I owe you my life and such and such and whatever, so I need you, you know, I'm trying to help you out in your singing career, and that kind of irritated me as soon as those words left her mouth, because I'm thinking like, first and motherfucking foremost, there were four other girls, three other girls in that room, Veronica, Melanie, and Valerie, who also stumped this nigga's ass, on top of that, it's because of like, don't. I get it, that's your best friend, and that's cool, but she didn't do this on her own, um, but then I guess it kind of came out later on, so um, there's secret admirers, leaving shit in her locker, uh, Cheryl is poking fun funded her, and can we take a minute to take note of Cheryl's, I don't know, lack of up pants, she had on this like romper, fitted romper, that had to stop Directly beneath her love below, like it was nothing but leg, nothing but leg. And then I keep going back to things are supposed to be high school students. I understand humans are sexual beings, yada yada yada, whatever. And these are adults playing children, but god damn, between her and then my issues with Veronica, which we'll get to as well. Went, but I will say. And not to be diving into respectability politics, but Josie did not look, never looks. None of her nor the pussy guests, ne- none of them ever look that way. And I'm just like, what do you, this pale ass long thigh that you traipsing around the school with? No one wants to see that. Like Cheryl is a favorite of mine, but goddamn, <laughs> girl. So um, all that happens. And Chuck shows back up, they're going on a little date, kind of, sort of, because somebody's like, maybe not even stalking her, but it's just like all of this scary shit that's going on, because, of course, girl, you had a goddamn school late at night, when you need to have your ass at home, and Josie gets home, which is, they're staying at a hotel, and her mama says, why do you think I got us a room at the Four Seasons, and I was like, what, okay, okay. I don't think people really appreciate the fucking powerhouse, the powerful, like I am just at a loss for words, Robin Givens, Mayor McCoy, is one of the baddest ass characters on this show. Why in the, I just, I don't think people get it, I feel like they exist in this world where you know how you have people like, oh, I want my kids to have better than I did. And there are people who probably struggled. Then, you know, they went to college, got, you know, degrees, got nice jobs. And now they're like, okay, my kids are going to have better than me. People who've gotten out of the hood, be it your trailer park or, you know, your your, your crime ridden street or your gang infested neighborhood, all of that. And then you do better. I feel like kind of like that first episode of Blackish where um, Andre and Rainbow were talking and it was kind of like reflecting on, our kids won't have the same upbringing that we had no matter what. Like we're just not in that space. And I feel like that's where Mary McCoy and Josie exists in this space where not to say Mary McCoy doesn't come from a well-to-do wealthy middle-class family or whatnot, or not even saying that pushing this um, narrative that, you know, black people are coming from these crime infested areas, but she's given this, we got to work twice as hard to be half as respected as they are. I've come so far like even in the way that the things that she say when I'm looking between the words of what she's saying it's like Josie you have to fucking do better and I'll be getting upset at Josie but then I'm like she Josie doesn't have the same upbringing that her mom does and even her dad because of course we met her dad he was a famous musician traveling the world and all this other shit but then they threw out this line a couple of episodes ago you know or maybe last episode with the jingle jangle about how could you try that stuff you know what that did to your your dad and this that and the 3rd i'm thinking like no first and foremost that's not how that was it's not how he was presented to us but okay i'll buy it. i'll buy it i'll buy it. but mary mccoy is giving this stern black mama Attitude every time she has to reprimand Josie. And it's just like, it's my same issue that I have with Alice. I don't want to like Alice, but Alice, I feel like is saying shit to Betty that she absolutely needs to hear. Bitch, I am your mama. You run around here crazy with the black hood out here. You could be dead. Same thing that Mayor McCoy has been saying to Josie. She's like, girl, I'm the fucking mayor. We're at the four seasons. Why in the good goddamn are you out all late at hours of the night? when your ass need to be at home, but more importantly, Mayor McCoy, why the fuck are you allowing this to happen, but whatever, so there was several scenes where her mom was just cutting into her, like, motherfucker, there's a black hood, out. clearly, you could be murdered, Uh, we find out that, uh, you know, somebody's leaving her little messages, and she gets a pig heart, and all this and the, they did a really good job at setting up this episode because I really like they got me every single vignette or every single storyline I was sucked in and I was fooled and uh so it got to the point where you would have thought it was the, the janitor you would have thought it was Chuck who was leaving all this shit for uh, Josie and come to find out after trying to split up the pussy guests it was Cheryl and that fucked me up because I'm like damn can we just get one regular friendship but then I'm like I mean, I guess, what is a show without drama? It's not entertaining. But, these are my girls. Josie and Cheryl are my girls. Like, why pit them? Oh, my God. So, and I think that Cheryl is, like, making Josie get sick. Or, like, when she gets scared, her vocal cords tense up. And then she can't sing or whatever else. And I feel like it's kind of that, not Munchausen syndrome. What is it? Is it Nightingale syndrome? What is the syndrome where, like the person who's rescued becomes attracted or obsessed with the person who rescues them. So like, I think the example, um, is like a woman who maybe is saved by a firefighter sheet nightingale. Is that what it is? Something where you're like, uh, just you, you kind of imprint on that person and now you're obsessed with them. And I'm thinking that's what this is because this has never been a aspect of Josie and uh, Cheryl's relationship ever. That being said, That little act that revealed itself that Cheryl was the one who was tormenting Josie to keep her to herself, that's what makes me think this can't be a regular episode. Like This this can't be canon. Are they either, like I said before, leaning way into the crazy, or are they, um, or is this some type of... that'll get retconned or erased in the next episode like I'm really curious to see how this plays out I don't want them to be against each other I don't want Cheryl to be crazy like this but I'm going to trust the show at this point at least for the next two three episodes because I'm very nervous about what they're doing um so moving along we get to the next storyline which is Betty and Veronica, and they're investigating because Betty thinks that Sheriff Keller is the black hood, and Veronica thinks that the Sheriff Keller is just cheating on his wife, which we find out she's like in the army or something, and she's stationed somewhere, like some Middle Eastern country, and I'm just like, wow, like, even though I've read Archie comics, I fell off way before Kevin showed up, and he's a newer character, and from what I recall, I can't remember Kevin having Parents, But again, like I said, I fell off before he showed up. So I don't know the nature of his relationship with his parents. And I don't know how prominent they are in the Archie comics, like Digest comics, not the newer, more modern comics. But all that being said, it was interesting to get more of his backstory. So they kind of lean into the whole Black Hood thing. And we're thinking that now he's probably not the Black Hood. And what pisses me off is that does no one in this town... On this police force know about law and order know about uh cr- fucking csi know about nypd blue no about any goddamn show police procedural this man is literally talking to betty the high school newspaper and explaining to her things that went on that allowed the black hood to kill the uh sugar man and like like this is an investigation This is an active investigation. I don't know much about this shit, but I've seen my fair share of procedurals to know that even though the sugar man is shot dead, since the black hood is still out there, you probably don't need to be talking to these lads. You don't need to be telling them anything to begin with. Like, I don't know what am I not the only person who finds something wrong with this. This is fucking ridiculous. All that being said, I'm going to fast forward all this shit. Long story short, Veronica is dressed entirely too adult- For her supposedly 15, 16 year old body or self. She's walking around, stays the night at Kevin's house, trying to prove that his dad is having an affair. And she says, Oh, why is he sneaking out the house? First and motherfucking foremost, Sheriff Keller is a grown ass man. The grownest of grown. Grey hair and all. What the fuck do you mean sneaking out? That's the house where he paid bills. Pays the mortgage. He's the adult. I don't have to sneak out of any goddamn where. This is my house. You're a guest in my house of my son's. I ain't sneaking no goddamn where. All that being said, she goes down to the basement in this, like, I don't know, night, nighty, whatever. But he's working out, he being Sheriff Keller. And he's shirtless. And he's just, you know, pumping iron and shit. It's not like he's fucking down there. But then we get down closer, and we see he's lifting weights. She is... Interrogating him in this very aloof sexual way like oh with your wife gone doesn't it get kind of hard by yourself? and what do you do to give out this i'm just thinking like in my head i'm like she's a child this is the 15th you- it was weird this was a very weird choice very weird because i feel like there's other ways that you could have went about her trying to figure out if he's having an affair or not. This was just weird. And then we get a, another scene where Veronica and Betty are on the phone after Betty's like so convinced he's the black hood and she breaks into the house and whatever else. But like Veronica is wearing this like nightgown, um covered up with this robe. It was just very male gazy ish, and I did not like that. Like it was very off putting because in my head, although she's a wonderful actress. Veronica is still, like, a 15-year-old child, supposedly. So, it's just, I don't know, all of this, I don't know what it is about this episode. It was done so well, and it was done so creepily. Um, So, we get Benny and Veronica, like, determined that Sheriff Keller is the black hood. They get in the car, they follow him. Yeah, where is he sneaking out to? Again, this is a grown-ass man paying mortgage in a fucking house that he lives in with his teenage son, so he is the adult. He ain't sneaking no goddamn way. He can do what the fuck he wants. He goes to a motel, opens the door, and who the fuck steps out? Cause he is having an affair. But motherfucking Sheriff Keller meets motherfucking Mayor McCoy. And I knew it. Like I promise you during the Josie um the Josie storyline where there was um when Mayor McCoy showed up and dragged her ass away from Chuck, because they was dancing and doing some Watusi and shit, Sheriff Keller was with her, and I was thinking in my head, like, yes, she's the mayor, but why the fuck is the sheriff with you? He's always fucking with you. Well, because he's always fucking with her, apparently. So I'm just going to wrap this shit up here. Chapter 20 has been a fucking mindfuck. I don't know if this is going to be canon, regular, normal parts of the storyline or if this is something that they're going to retcon or kind of change around but all that being said my favorite character as always and thanks to the glorious Issa Rae, is everybody black i'm rooting for everybody black um no but my favorite character was was josie in this episode well no 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 no, no. my favorite character was mayor mccoy mayor mccoy mayor mccoy just giving off all kinds of uh principal don't make me call your mama vibe she's yes mary mccoy favorite scene is her walking into that diner after okay and this i'll explain why two reasons because she acted her ass off and she was like josie you're a damn fool or something she said and i was like oh get her drag her but the other reason why i really enjoyed this particular scene we have josie and we have um what the fuck what's his name little nelly little black dude Oh, I just said his name, but you know, Black Boy. We have Josie and uh, the Black dude sitting at Pop's diner. Pop's black ass walks over. He's black. Then we get the mayor walking her ass in here. It's like you get these four beautiful melanated beings just in one space in this show that we do not ordinarily get. That now we'll get Josie and the Pussycats and they're you know walking around or whatnot. But we had an active a scene where they like people were playing off one another like it, I was really into that so that is my favorite scene um and at the very end of the episode we get Cheryl and Josie in a booth we get Betty and Veronica in a booth and we get Jughead and Archie in a booth together it was set three different booths or whatever and then Pops gets this phone call he picks up the phone He looks distraught. He's not really a good actor to me. Um, Or they don't know what to do with him. And then he puts the phone down. And he's like, that was him. That was the Black Hood. He said, we failed the test. Because I failed to mention that. The very beginning of this episode, the Black Hood wrote a letter. Sent it to the newspapers and said he's going to give Riverdale a chance to prove that they're holy or whatever. Never mind the fact that there could be Muslims, Buddhists. Atheists, people of all different kinds of faiths, that faiths, faith, well, faith. <laughs> practicing and not living in Riverdale who do not abide by your Christian values, but we're not even gonna go there. What I found so weird about this part of the episode is that why in the fuck is the Black Hood calling you? If he, well, oh, he left, no, my mistake, he left a letter that everything I just said nailed to the door of Pop Shot. Pops ain't never closed. When the hell he have time to come over and, and nail some shit up to the door? Pops closed that one time for that one episode when the Pussycats and the cheerleaders had to do a concert and shit. That's the only time I've ever seen Pops closed. Like, what the fuck? Even after the shooting happened w- with Fred, Pops' ass was still in there. Nobody was there, but he was open. So, I don't know. So, what I'm, I, I don't understand is, why the fuck are you calling Pops? All these news outlets, even the police station. Like, Pops? But... Whatever it is, what it is. So again, favorite character, Mary McCoy, favorite scene, Mary McCoy cutting into Josie's ass in front of Chuck. She said, cause I don't want you 10 feet near my motherfucking daughter, motherfucker. (laughs) No, so those were my favorites. And then who do I think is the Black Hood? At this point, I'm still going hard with it being Betty's brother. So, um, brother Cooper. That's who I think it is. So, (laughs) uh, we going to keep this conversation going anyone under the sound of my voice, let me know your thoughts in the comments, leave it in the SoundCloud comments, hit me up on Twitter carefully blurred, use the hashtag WTRpod, whatever you do keep it funky (laughs) no, let me know who you think uh, the Black Hood is let me know what's your favorite scene, what's your favorite character, if you have more than one or two or three or four, let me know those too Um, thank you all for listening and until next time I want you to Stay carefree, stay away from crazy-ass Cheryl, um, stay away from Pops, and um, I guess, I'm gonna just stay the fuck out of Riverdale, because this shit is crazy as the motherfucking hell. Alright y'all.